0: We'll actually finally finish the book of Luke this morning. Can you believe it? We're going to finish it before the new year. Luke chapter 10. Of course, I did a topical uh, message last week with Thanksgiving. Only five verses to read, verses 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10. If your Bible's open. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll be glad to put one in your hands. So if you don't have one, just... Pop your hand up there and we'll be glad to make sure you uh, get one. Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 38. Now it happened, as they went, he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Lord, we just ask again for the ministry of your spirit on this place and our hearts Upon your word, in your name we pray. Amen. In Lewis Carroll's classic 1865 novel, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, we shortened it today to Alice in Wonderland, later made into a film and uh, probably more familiar with the film, but uh, in uh, in that book was a line that we can probably relate to at times. It goes like this. I have to run real fast just to stay in place. You ever felt that way? You have to run real fast just to stay in place. This is exactly what our enemy wants for us in our service to Christ. And as we'll see this morning, as we see in the text, this is not a new thing, is it? It wasn't new in 1865 when that novel was published. It certainly wasn't new in the time of Jesus when he comes into this village. But what a contrast between two sisters. Sisters are not always the same, are they? Different personalities, different way of looking at things, different styles, different uh, gifts, different talents. But what a contrast here... In this home, as Jesus enters in, one is at rest, just listening and learning as Jesus shares with her, as he interacts with her, and he's pouring into her the very life and power of God. I mean, can you imagine literally, physically having Jesus sitting right there? You can ask him any question. Answering you immediately, right on the spot, right there. Now, of course, we have access, but I've not physically met the Lord Jesus. We get a chance to do that when we go to see him forever in heaven. But the other sister, she's feverishly working. She's not lazy at all. She is working hard. And it appears that uh, Mary was working with her for a period of time before she decided to go And sit at Jesus' feet. Because it says that she's left me to serve alone. She's feverishly working, probably doing all that she can. She's doing everything she can to make Jesus' visit to the home perfect. Perfect, not a thing out of place. Not a single thing, not exactly right. Perfectionist. And while her sister is becoming more at rest, she's becoming more agitated by the moment. You know, Jesus is aware of what's going on in her thoughts, isn't he? Even before the lid comes off the top, he could count it down. Five, four, three, two, Martha's about to enter. This still happens in our own lives, doesn't it? The Lord wants us to learn from it. These things were written for our admonition, written that we would understand that these things happen to us too. Running to stand still. Running to make sure we're doing enough for the Lord. Making sure that everything is perfect. Serving, striving, serving, striving, serving, striving. And Jesus says, one thing is needed. If you're taking notes this morning, I titled our time in God's Word. One thing is needed. I didn't have to pick, but Jesus said it. I didn't have to even come up with a title this time. Can't improve on perfection, and he's the only one that's perfect. You and I strive for perfection at times, but we never achieve it. And we'll look at three things from the text this morning. Sitting, striving, and strengthening sitting, striving, and strengthening. It says, as Jesus comes into the house, Martha welcomes him into her house. Uh, We believe the house was shared by both of them. Perhaps it, uh, um, Martha, um, perhaps it was her home, but nevertheless, uh, they shared the home, then the home together, Uh, but Mary... We see in verse 39 is sitting at the feet of Jesus, just hearing his word. She's not sitting at the feet of one of the disciples, later to become the apostles. Not sitting at the feet of a pastor or a shepherd. Of course, the apostles would be the first pastors and shepherds. But she's sitting at the head of the church, Jesus Christ. Not a man, but the God-man, God Emmanuel, this time of the season where we talk about Emmanuel, God dwelling among us, the flesh of God in her very presence. She's sitting at the feet of the one who's the head of the church, but also the Savior of her soul, the counselor. You need wisdom? The feet of Jesus is a great place to be need encouragement, the feet of Jesus is a great place to be. You need to be strengthened, the feet of Jesus is a great place to be. Matter of fact, it's the only place to be, because everywhere else that you go won't really work. You might find some short alleviation of things, but it's not lasting. It's good, and it's scriptural, As we're gathered here today, Hebrews tells us, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, which is the manner of some, but even more so as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Uh, It's scriptural for us to be gathered here together as we are this morning. This is kind of like a big family room. We want to hear from the Lord and we want to worship together. We want to worship in song. We want to worship in the word, preaching, teaching. These things are commanded, they're necessary. They're important that we're doing as a collective body. It's needed for us individually and as a corporate group that we, that we always come together, that we fellowship with one another, be sharpened together, worship together in song. These things are very important. Jesus, again... And again, make sure that he has the disciples together as a group. And we see the apostles and the epistles that always the church is a body knitted together. So our collective coming together, always important. But there's something personal here. There's something one-on-one here taking place as Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Her eyes are fixed on him In him alone. In our ears, they're only hearing his words of wisdom, his words of comfort, his words of truth. Whatever it is that Jesus is communicating, there's no other outside distractions or influence. It's just one on one with the Lord. If we don't have time to sit and hear from Jesus personally, Not just on a Sunday morning. I'm not just Sunday, I'm Sunday and Wednesday. Not just Sunday and Wednesday. If we don't have time to sit and hear from Jesus, I have five observations or questions. If we don't have time to sit and hear from the Lord, I have five observations and questions. I'll rattle them off for you. Number one observation, something is amiss in our life. If we do not have time to sit and hear from the Lord personally, personally, something is amiss in our life. The scriptures make it very clear. Number two, if we're not sitting and hearing from Jesus, who are we hearing from? Who is it we're hearing from? Because we're always hearing from someone. Radio, radio, TV, magazine, books, ourselves. The scripture said the heart is deceitfully wicked, so if we are teaching, we, we in trouble. <laughs> right? I know it's not grammatically correct, but sometimes it's better that way. That's why I like the country kind of guy. Say. You know, sometimes they just make it real. But if we're not hearing from Jesus, who are we hearing from? Satan will make sure we're hearing from someone. Number three, number one, was something is a myth in our life. Number two, who is it that we're hearing from? Number three, what's actually most important to us? Not what we say is most important, but what's actually most important to us. Number four. This is, a, this is an important one. How long has this been the case? Think about it. If We're not sitting and hearing from Jesus. How long has this been the case? Is it just a week? Is it a month? Is it a year? How long have we not been just sitting personally? Well, I, 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 I catch something on the radio. That's great. Those are good additive things. Every now and then I'll go watch something. I like listening to you, Tim, on Sundays. Maybe you don't. But Jesus wants personally to have us sit at his feet. And the fifth one, have we actually recognized this and just ignored it? Have we actually recognized, well we're aware that we're not taking any time to sit at his feet? And he said, "Well, not important. Not that big a deal. It is a big deal, isn't it? Because again, if we're not hearing from Jesus, we're hearing from somebody. We're being led some direction. We're wandering away. We're being led by our feelings. We're becoming emotional as we see what what takes place here. All of these things, and actually emotions aren't a bad thing, when they're under the power of the Holy Spirit. When we're in the presence of God, we'll have the right kind of emotions. Some of you probably were emotional worshiping. That's a good thing. Under the power and control of the Holy Spirit. When we're not at the feet of Jesus, all of those things that God has given to us, emotions, feelings, are then working against us. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word do I hope. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word do I hope. When we wait on the Lord, it's in the presence of God through prayer, in the presence of God through his word. There's not any other substitute. There's nothing else that God gave him. He sent this love letter through the apostles, through the prophets, through the writers of Scripture. This right here is God's inspired living Word. It's the way we hear directly from the Lord. Yes, we can see His handiwork in nature. Yes, we see His work at a newborn baby. Yes, we see the hand of God in many things. But the Word of God is in the pages of Scripture. And it's through the Word of God that He directs us in our prayer life and in our life of service and in ministering to people and in fellowship. Every aspect of the Christian life comes through the Word of God and then through a prayer relationship with God. Mary was sitting and having that kind of communion, that one-on-one communion. There was times, of course, when Mary would have been in a group listening to Jesus teaching, but here she had the opportunity to be one-on-one. And we need to take and make time for those things, to have that time with the Lord. But I want to look at the second thing that we see here, if you're taking notes under striving. We see Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Now Luke's a detailed guy, and when he says much serving, we know that Martha was really... Getting started. I don't know if she had pots going with food in here, cleaning at the same time, doing, you know, multitasking. Right? Multitasking for Jesus. We've all been guilty of that. I certainly have. It's my nature to do stuff. Maybe it is yours too. Faithful servants, by the way, I want to talk about what Jesus isn't saying here first. Faithful servants are actually desperately needed in the body of Christ. Amen? Faithful servants are desperately needed. Jesus is not condemning Martha's service or hard work. Not in and of itself. Hospitality, which both ladies are giving when Jesus comes in because at first it appears they're actually kind of co-serving together. At some point, Jesus sits down and Mary recognizes, I'm going to stop everything and listen, learn, and be poured into. Martha is still working feverishly to provide the perfect hospitality environment. But hospitality, which Martha's attempting to provide, is a beautiful blessing, isn't it? any of you been blessed by someone's hospitality? I think it's a huge missing ingredient in many aspects of church experience, that God wants us to be more hospitable, far more hospitality than we actually see today. And in today's disconnected world, where we actually you know, serve each other through Facebook, which can be helpful. I'm not, I'm not, I have a Facebook account. There can be some good things. But there's only so much you can do Through the internet, you actually have to sometimes be hospitable in a sense of really actually serving people, making them a meal, putting an arm around them, doing something with them, talking to them, listening. Hospitality is important. We know that Jesus has no issue with that. He's accepted their hospitality. He's come into the house with them. Martha is working hard to provide it, which is a good thing and so needed in Christian relationships. But Martha is not only trying to be the consummate host, but she's serving with great effort. Great effort. Really pouring out to do the best she possibly can. Now, hard work. How many like when someone does the best work they can for you? Yeah. You don't want people to do it. I like when people do a lousy job. (laughs) I like when I go to the restaurant and get the worst possible service. No. We value someone putting forth good effort. And in the scriptures, hard work and diligence and service to others, in some capacity, these are hallmarks of the life of a believer. We should be known for being hardworking, diligent, Self-sacrificing. These are hallmarks of the life of, of a believer. Jesus was the greatest example of this of all time. He came and served among us, washing his own disciples' feet. Left the throne of heaven to be a carpenter. And the sweat and dust and all the things, hard work, these things are important. They should be evident in our life. Jesus said himself, now think of the whole 10th chapter. Some of you have been here with us for all of Luke chapter 10. I'm going to have you go back and think about the entire 10th chapter because when you study Scripture, this is good if you want to be a Bible student, when you study the Scriptures, you need to always know the context and what was said in the previous verses or even chapters sometimes to understand what God is communicating. If you think about the 10th chapter of Luke, Remember, Luke's a very detailed guy. The 10th chapter of Luke, Jesus begins the 10th chapter stating that the laborers are few, doesn't he? He says, pray the Lord of the harvest because the laborers are few. Jesus is citing a lack of laborers. So we know he values those that are working hard in the kingdom of God. So he can't be dinging Martha on that in and of itself. The laborers are few. He's the one that points out that the laborers are few. Beginning of the chapter. He sends them, he sends out 70 disciples to labor and work and bring the gospel to villages. It's hard work to bring the gospel to a world that doesn't want to hear it. It's tough sledding. It's going against the grain, isn't it? He sends 70 out to go bring the gospel, bring healing, casting out demons, into areas that don't want to hear it necessarily. He then tells the parable, which we looked at in our last study in Luke, he then tells the parable of the Samaritan. He commends the Samaritan for what? He commends the Samaritan for selflessly serving a beaten and robbed man who two religious leaders would not take the time out of their busy schedule to alter their schedule to help that man. Now, there were other reasons, too. We will, there were other reasons as well. They didn't want to give the money, anything else they didn't like. He was a commoner. He was someone they wouldn't go anywhere near. But part of the equation was they didn't want to be disrupted. And that man was willing to labor and serve someone, even at his own cost of time. And any time you spend money, it also represents time. That's why we get paid. We get paid for time. And so we know that Jesus puts a tremendous value on serving and laboring in the kingdom of God. It's all through the 10th chapter. That's why it's striking that it ends with this, because most of the 10th chapter is Jesus pointing to those that are actually working in the kingdom, laboring in the vineyard, faithfully. It's important that we serve him and serve one another. Paul even writes in 2 Thessalonians 3:10, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Paul, that's pretty harsh. They're not going to work, they don't eat. Yep. Work is required for all of us. There was work forgiven to Adam and Eve before there was sin. Work isn't even in and of itself a curse, it's the sweat of the brown, it's the thorns, all those things that come. But we have been called to labor, we've been called to serve. But Mary, even though Martha working and serving was something they were actually both doing together when Jesus comes in, Mary, she chose to lay aside, at that moment, she chose to lay aside all the other seemingly important tasks, seemingly important tasks. Sometimes we have seemingly important things. They're only important because sometimes we have made them important. When we stop and pray about them, God might say, I didn't ask you to work on that. You didn't? No. We sometimes will add things when the Lord is saying, come and sit down. These seemingly important tasks, Mary lays them aside to listen to her Lord and Savior. Lunch could wait. Jesus was okay. Wait, he he fasted for forty days. He wasn't near as worried about. We eat lunch at twelve noon. We never, no, we don't ever not eat lunch at twelve noon. And when we have guests, they'll be eating lunch at twelve noon, and they'll like it because that's our hospitality, <laughs> right? Martha had a schedule. This is how it was going to go. This is how it must we. I've got potato salad work. Who's got the mayonnaise? (laughs) Lunch could wait. Prep for the next day could wait for Mary. She was saying, all right, Lord, I sense you're telling me to sit down at your feet. Prep for the next day could wait. But preparing her heart couldn't wait. See, we make everything else wait except preparing our heart. Oh, the heart could wait... The heart doesn't need much work. All these other things are really super important. But Jesus, he was inviting Mary into his presence. But the invite was for Martha too. You see, Martha had the same invite. He came into the house, They there both serving together. When Mary decided to lay these other things aside and sit down, Martha had the same invite. Jesus doesn't just invite the super-spiritual people to sit at his feet. He invites everyone to sit at his feet. But Martha was too busy to notice it. She was too busy to notice that she had the same invite. To lay those other things, to stop. Jesus doesn't need to be impressed by Martha's effort. Sometimes we want to prove ourselves. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Jesus was there in the same house with them both. Christian, it's possible. It's possible to know Jesus, to be thinking about Jesus, to be walking back and forth by Jesus, and not be in fellowship with Jesus. Does that make sense? It's possible to know it, to know Him but just not be in fellowship, not be in personal relationship. This is the source of striving. I'm going to do things for Christ, but I'm going to neglect spending time with him. That right there is the source of striving. I'm going to do things for God, I'm just not going to spend time with him. But I'm going to do them for him. if you only did things for your parents but had no relationship with them, it can become a source of bitterness. It's happened in many parent-child relationships. They have no relationship. All I do is mow the grass. All I do is wash the dishes. I, but I have no relationship. It can become a source of bitterness, striving. We can have a house full of Bibles and yet no personal revelation no personal relationship if we're not opening the Scriptures to hear the voice of Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 46.10, you probably all know this verse, even if you don't know the address. Be still and know that I am God. See, God has to tell us to be still and know that He's God. Intellectually, we know He's God. Our heart doesn't always know He's God. We think we're God, or we think we're doing something big for God. But we need to be still and know that He's God. Until we've been still, our service is just activity. Until we've been still, our service is just activity. But doing, there's two kinds of extremes that people will fall into one is to do nothing, and the other is to do tons. Doing nothing isn't the right answer. Doing tons of things feverishly in our own flesh isn't the answer. Doing lots of good things, even for good reasons, isn't the answer. But for some people, that comes really natural to their flesh, just to do a lot of good things. Just fill up with activity, just fill it up, calendar. And we've got a hard enough time, other people filling our calendar up without filling it up on our own. But opening the Scriptures and talking to the Lord and taking time and prayer takes time, doesn't it? It actually takes literal time. We're all given the same 24 hours, but it takes time to say, I'm going to invest in personal time with the Lord in the Word and in Scriptures. And nobody will... And nobody can, I want you to hear this, nobody will and nobody can make that time for you or for me. We all agree on that? Nobody will and nobody can make the time for you and I to sit personally at the feet of Jesus. Mary had to choose it. Martha had to choose it. Someone else can't choose it for you. Because even if you did sit there, you could let your mind go out into outer space. People might encourage you to do it. Your spouse might take the kids for a little while. Ah, finally, I have a free moment. You might have an empty house from time to time where you could take advantage of that. You might actually stay homesick one day and have time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Sometimes God is actually in my time when I've actually been like Martha. Because by the way, all of us at times are like Martha. Martha. There's been times when I'm like Martha, the Lord's had me get sick, and I found out, oh, I need to get back at the feet of Jesus. I, I know def- definitively that they were things that the Lord at times has said, I love you so much, I'll put you back at my feet. But we have to we have to choose to set aside the distractions, don't we? And there's a lot of them. Spiritually speaking, as I said, our flesh, it gravitates between two two realms. Laziness and pampering ourselves on the other end of the continuum is working feverishly on a never-ending to-do list, especially, again, if you're doing it all for the Lord. This is all good stuff. This is all all for the church. It's all for Calvary Chapel Richmond. It's all for God. Martha, she's not the do-nothing kind of gal. She doesn't gravitate to the lazy side. Mm-mm. She's not a do-nothing kind of... Uh, she would feel unfulfilled and completely um, empty doing nothing. She is a get-things-done kind of gal. She probably likes being recognized for all the stuff she does. If no one else does one of these for her, She might have to do it for herself every now and then, right? But she gets things done. You need something done, get Martha on the job. She'll do her work and yours too. Temporarily, we can feel a sense of worth and accomplishment in doing things for the Lord and just kind of whether we've been in time with Jesus, just going and doing, we can temporarily feel some sort of accomplishment in doing that. I'm just going to go get these things done. I'm going to do. I'm going to do 54 shoeboxes for sir. I'm going for 100. And we might get a little bit of satisfaction when people notice what we've done. Now you can. Tell other people you don't care, but you can't tell God you don't care because he knows when you care. He's like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't really want any, I don't want anyone to notice I'm doing this. God's like, really? <laughs> I looked deep at your thought life. You want recognition. You're actually upset no one wrote you a thank you note because you thought everyone would write you a thank you note. Remember I said God doesn't write thank you notes. He says, well done good and faithful servant. But what happens when people don't notice what you've done? Mary's apparently missing all the great work Martha's doing. Jesus appears to be missing all the great work Martha's doing. What happens when we're doing things, really helpful things, really good things, really biblical things, really scriptural things, for Jesus but we're not spending time with Jesus. We love our Bibles. We just don't love the Jesus who wrote the Bible. We're striving at that point. We're striving. We're doing it in the flesh. It's not the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not joy. It's not peace. K.P. Yohanan in his book, Living in the Light of Eternity, talks about horizontal motivation. Does that make sense? Horizontal motivation, those are things that are very temporal, human. Horizontal motivation, the world lives by horizontal motivation. Horizontal motivation, a good example of it is if I scratch your back, you scratch my back. It's not the way God works. Horizontal motivation, if I work really hard, I get a bonus. Horizontal motivation, if I do a really good job, I get to be on the front of Time magazine. Horizontal motivation. Because one day Time Magazine won't exist. It's very temporal. I mean, even if you were to achieve, I was on the cover of Time Magazine five times. It won't matter one bit the second you die. Well, it's horizontal motivation. But we also, as Christians, can get very much entrenched in horizontal motivation as well. This is what he talks about in his book, Living in the Light of, uh, in the Light of Eternity. Um, horizontal motivation, it fades, it erodes. Versus vertical motivation, which is life-giving from the throne of God. Life-giving motivation. Not life-sapping motivation, life-giving motivation. It comes from the limitless resources of God. Everything human has resources that actually winds down eventually and corrodes, and comes to a stopping point. Whereas God's has no end. Fountains of living water. And KP says, unless we allow the Holy Spirit to renew our hearts and minds continually, deterioration will set in. It eventually will set in. Look at what Luke records concerning Martha. She was serving with all her might, but we see three things recorded by Luke. Number one, in verse 40, she was distracted. Number two, Jesus cites, in verse 41, she was worried and she was troubled. That's a fun day at work, isn't it? You're distracted, worried, and troubled. The trifecta. How was work? It was awesome. I was distracted, worried, and troubled all day. Other than that, I accomplished a lot. How would you feel about it? I was distracted, worried, and troubled. No matter how much I did, I was distracted, worried, and troubled. Now Jesus says this is exactly where her heart was. So we have no doubt this is exactly where her heart was. Many things she was troubled about. Not just, You know, when we're troubled, it starts out with a few things, but it goes like this eventually what was a few things we were troubled about becomes almost everything. And all we see is trouble. All we see is worry. All we see is distraction. And there was a solution to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, but that's not, that's not what she sees. She's so busy, he can't even see that the answer is right there in front of her. Stop. Spend time with Jesus. Here's Mary. You can see the scene. I'm going to try to paint the scene for you. Jesus is sitting there. He's talking. Mary's sitting at his feet. Martha is strolling by doing a million things. She's trying to make eye contact Mary. Mary's not seeing it or biting. Then she starts to make more noise. Maybe that'll help. If I make more noise, clang some pots in there. Surely she'll hear. Drop something. Make it look like if I had more hands, this wouldn't have gotten dropped. Anything to make sure that Mary's not getting the message. Finally, that's it. I'm going to give a piece of my mind to somebody. She tries to do it tactfully. Lord... Do you not care? Have you not seen me going by? I had a mop, I had this, I was doing everything, and you and Mary acted like I wasn't even in the room. Do you not care that my sister has left me alone? That sister you gave me that right now I don't want? Martha's so bothered, she not only comes to Jesus about this, but she literally confronts Jesus. Well, you're really on your high horse when you start confronting God. She confronts Jesus. She tries to correct Jesus, and she thinks he doesn't care when actually he does care. John 11, 5, You know, you know it says in John eleven five about Jesus and Martha? It says, Martha, now Jesus loved Martha. You think Jesus had forgotten Wasn't aware what she was doing. By the way, the name Martha, it means lady of the house. Mary means wisdom. Together, they are a beautiful team. If something gets in the way, the dissension is not good. Because if the lady of the house is being led by the flesh, the lady of the house is going to act like the lady of the house. But if the lady of the house is under the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ and Mary, they have different gifts and talents. By the way, don't let people's opposite gifts as you rub you the wrong way. Both of you get under the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll actually be like a symphony. When you go and watch an orchestra, it's nice that it's not all the same instruments. You don't want 200 violins. Right? It's nice that God has actually spread the gifts differently, that we are different. But when we're not under the control of the Holy Spirit, Mary's got a very sensitive heart. This is really grating on Martha's nerves. And when other people's, issue, other people's gifts grate on your nerves, the issue is not with them, it's with us. Every time. It's always with ourselves. When we're striving, we're serving with horizontal motivation. There's something we are seeking rather than just the Lord himself. We'll eventually become one of three things. We'll either become burned out, bummed out, or bent out of shape. In other words, you lash out. When we're serving in our flesh, horizontal motivation will either become burned out, bummed out, or bent out of shape. And when that happens, be very careful because what is really bubbling forth It's self-pity, it's pride, it's really just disobedience, not listening. The Lord has said, look, if you would sit down at my feet, you wouldn't be burned out, bummed out, and bent out of shape. Whenever we are, and it really bothers me when I have to look in the mirror and know it's all me. How about you? Drives me crazy. I'm all agitated about something, and and I'll hear the Holy Spirit saying, this is on you but you can actually diffuse it right now by stopping and praying, by coming back to center with the Lord. Or you can decide, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to be troubled, worried, bothered, but at least I get to blow my top on someone. I'll feel better then, won't I? But you don't. Then you're replaying everything else you should have said. We get nothing out of it. And Jesus, that's why Jesus actually says, Martha, Martha. In other words, this won't ever work. When we begin to complain about others, our service is horizontal. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it many times in the lives of faithful Christians. I'm not talking about Christians don't. Martha, love the Lord. You can love the Lord and get in this state very quickly. She had a good relationship. Notice how gently Jesus dealt with her. Notice what he didn't say. That's it. You don't have a house anymore. That's it. You're not one of my followers anymore. That's it. It's now Mary, not Mary and Martha. It's just Mary. You're cut out of the family of God. He's actually pretty gentle with her, isn't he? Pretty gentle for someone who just stepped into the room and actually tried to correct the Lord Jesus, creator of her mind, body, and spirit. Aren't you glad God's gracious with us when we've said some really dumb things? Because Jesus could have blown her out of the water with all her bad motivation. He could have exposed sin in her life. He didn't. He actually covered her and brought her back in. This is what the Lord wants to do with you and I. If we're in the wrong place, he wants to bring us back in. Have you ever had your hands get really dry in the winter? I mean, really dry. Uh, maybe you're working outside in cold, dry conditions, and they begin to crack. You know where your fingerprints are? They start to crack. They're just small little slivers in the finger. But they're painful, and they sting, and they're irritating, and then it can even become limiting and certain tasks if they become worse and worse. Typically, it's not only the cold, dry conditions that contribute to the pain and cracking. We know a couple of things. We know that staying hydrated with water is very important, right? Staying hydrated is important. Uh, We can actually put some type of moisturizer, the old classic Vaseline petroleum jelly, or some kind of moisturizer, things on our hands that actually keep the hands moisturized. Wearing gloves, doing certain things out during the winter, is actually a wise thing to do to help protect the hands in cold, dry winter weather. It's true as the old saying goes, maybe your grandparents used to say it, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. True? All those things will actually help keep that from happening. Um, those measures, they take a little time. You have to have intentionality to do them. You have to say, all right, I'm going to make sure I stay hydrated. I'm going to put some lotion on my hand. I'm going to wear gloves if I do certain things, and I'm going to make sure I have the gloves with me. But preventative benefits are always worth it. Or maybe you're a guy and you think, I don't need water. All I need is a black cup of coffee, which, by the way, dehydrates you. You don't drink water. I don't need any moisturizers or gloves. Those things are for sissies. It's okay if you want to say that, but uh, that's fine. If your wife and kids, they better not hear any whining about your cracked fingers, as long as you say it's for sissies and you know, all that kind of stuff, and your fingers are splitting in midwinter, and now you're complaining about it. I speak from experience in this area. It's just one of those things that prevention. We all need the moisturizer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we become dry and cracking, and not only painful to ourselves, but everyone else around us rather quickly. If our service is in the flesh, rather than soaking up the presence of the Lord on a regular basis, we'll have that dryness. We'll not be pleasant. It'll make every task more difficult. We'll start to see things half. Full instead, Half empty instead of half full. Our attitude and our effectiveness, like our bodies, is dependent upon being nourished. I mean, all of you remembered to eat and drink this week, right? Spiritually speaking, we have to eat and drink at the feet of Jesus. Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Unless we're spending time with him, the flesh will take over. And I want to close with our last uh, point this morning on under strengthening. You know, Jesus doesn't just tell us what the issue is here. He points us back to the solution. We don't want to just know what issues are. We want to know what the solution is. Now we see the solution is actually what Mary's doing. But Jesus emphasized that he says, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part and it will not be taken away from her. Does he deal with Martha gently? Yes. Like I said, this is not being hard on Martha. Martha uh, is a godly saint that when you get to heaven, you'll, you'll get to see all the things God did through her. We've all had our Martha moments. We've all had our lazy moments. These are all just manifestations of the flesh. Matter of fact, horizontal motivation will cause us to be somewhere on that continuum just doing our own thing, pampering ourselves or working like crazy and wondering why is everybody else getting credit for this? Why is everybody? Else, why isn't anyone else doing anything instead of being fed personally in our relationship with the Lord, under strengthening. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the overflow of the spirit in our lives that empowers us for service. It doesn't come from our service and activity. Does that make sense? We don't, we're not refreshed from just going out and doing service. We are given the refreshing of the Holy Spirit to go out and do service. The chicken of the egg. The cart before the horse. We receive the refreshing of the Lord to be instruments for service. You, just like you can't work for your salvation... Your works come from being saved. You don't work to be saved. The saved person is saved unto good works, the scriptures say. Our service is anointed by the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. But we're sent into the fields, into the harvest, into service by the overflow of the Spirit in our lives. If I'm in the pulpit here today and it's nothing but just work and a task, I'm in bad shape and so are you. But if I'm in the pulpit because the Lord refreshes and it's a blessing, then I don't look at it as anything other than, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to serve. And then, you know, you're not looking around saying, why isn't anyone else doing this, that, or the other? Because your relationship is vertically fed, not horizontally fed. Isaiah 40, 31. I must have read this verse four times this fall. I'm going to read it again. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Renew their strength from Who? Other people can't renew your strength. They can encourage you. They can put an arm around you. They can comfort But truly renewing your strength comes from who? The Lord Himself. Martha and Mary had relationship as a relationship sister, as sisters. But there were things that Martha could never give Mary. Where could she find it? Only at the feet of Jesus. They had a good sister relationship. When the flesh gets in, they could have a bad sister relationship. When the Spirit comes back in they're back to a good sister relationship but both of them individually vertically need to be strengthened by the lord jesus christ psalm 27 14 wait on the lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart wait i say on the lord see the good thing that she chose she chose jesus personally and that takes time and that takes clearing off the distractions And that takes removing the other things that get in the way. And we can't go and strengthen other people unless we ourselves have first been strengthened by the Lord. You can't go really minister to people unless you've been ministered to. You know when you're flying an airplane, if altitude... You know, if oxygen takes, you know, if you have kids, if, if oxygen is not available, uh, it'll drop down. I don't remember how it goes. It'll drop down out of the ceiling. First put, parents, What first thing you do, put it on yourself. Then you're able to help your little one. Put it on them, you're out. They don't know what to do. Everyone loses. So the Lord says, first let me minister oxygen, life-giving breath, to you, and then you have it to go share with someone else. The one good thing we must choose, the one good thing Mary did choose, is to invest in personal time with Jesus. I'm glad that you're here today. I'm glad you're investing in getting together with the body of Christ. But personally, the Lord says, I want you at my feet, personally, reading His Word, listening to the Holy Spirit talking with the Lord in prayer. Start with something short. It's better that you start doing this five minutes of the day than never start at all. You have to start to invest in that personal time. And the Lord will start speaking to you throughout the day. And you'll start to do things not in the flesh, but as Nehemiah 8.10 says, for the joy of the Lord shall be your strength. There's times when you might not even feel good physically, and you can still have joy and still move forward and you're not barking out at Martha, Mary. You're like, I'm glad she's being ministered to. You know, I don't even know if the Lord possibly, possibly would have, if she sat down to minister, Jesus might have said, you know, you can go back to doing those other things. He might have given her some direction, but only focus on these two, and then I'll have time with you. I don't know. But she didn't take the time to find out what Jesus wanted to say to her personally. I don't know about you, but I want to serve in joy. How about you? I want to serve in God's strength. Physical strength will fade. I don't have the same strength I did when I was 20. Physical strength's going to fade. It does fade. Those of you that are older than I, you even know more than this. Physical strength fades. You want the strength that comes from the Lord, you want the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. Physical power? That guy, the juicer dude, he can't do that forever. He's tried. And you don't want horizontal recognition. Horizontal recognition is nice for a moment, but it fades quickly. No one even remembers next week or even cares. It has to be something deeper than that, something from the Lord, that the work of Christ would flow through us. I also know that my striving will never accomplish anything. It won't. Not anything of eternal uh, only what God does through us, through His Holy Spirit, by His power, by His might. And I want to close with a couple of quick things. Every great work of God, every great work of not only individually, but every great work of God has started with men and women who were saturated by the Lord and Word, and the Word and prayer. Ari e. Tori said, "We are too busy to pray." And so we are too busy to have power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, but few conversions, much machinery, few results. Isn't that true? That's running to stand still. Running in the flesh. Doing lots of stuff. And Jesus said, if you would stop and pray like they did at Pentecost, I'll let Peter get up, say a few words, and 3,000 people get saved. When will we learn this lesson? Again and again, the Lord has to tell me, stop, lay everything aside, get on your knees and just spend time with me. And I, you know, Jesus has the keys to unlock all the doors around us. And what we say is, Lord, I'm going to put in 36 straight hours of work on this, and when I've solved it, I'm going to come back and show it to you. You guys, all right, you go ahead and do that. <laughs> go ahead. Troubled, distracted, worried. That list will keep cropping up. 2,000 years ago, it'll still keep cropping up today. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time again in your word. And Lord, we know that we all have much to learn and to grow in these areas. And Lord, we would pray that we would all be more and more like the heart of Mary, sitting at your feet, Individually, personally, Lord, that uh, even in this season where things will get so busy and so hectic, Lord, that we will not forget that striving, that our flesh, that crossing things off the list, Lord, unless we've spent time with you, the list never ends, the anxieties get bigger. And Lord, we just ask that you would forgive us for each of these things. But, Lord, as you dealt gently with Martha, you would also, Lord, gently refresh us. Bring us back to your feet. Let us lay aside things, Lord, that that you don't want us focused on. That we would be more effective. That our attitude would be right before you and right before others. That we would choose the one thing of your presence. It's In Jesus' name that we pray. Why not you stand?